The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. You know, I was all set to come in here, talk about the news of the week, what happened at the State of the Union, uh, all of the things with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez high five in the air, and uh, you know now the news, uh, Virginia Mark Herring, the Attorney General, yeah, he's uh, in blackface as well, so that goes uh, Ralph Northam as Virginia Governor down to the Lieutenant Governor who's hitting on women inappropriately, I guess, down to Mark Herring, the attorney general, wearing blackface in the 80s. All of this stuff I was basically going to get into. But then we got the news of the untimely passing of our dear friend and the visionary behind Mojo Five O, Doc Thompson. And it was really difficult news because... You know, I always get my day started with Doc. You know, I listen to him going back to 2014. And I I live here in Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia. The big flagship talk station is out of Richmond. Basically, they compile the news that all of the other stations around the state get their news from. You know, we have WNIS down here that I listen to locally But WRVA, being the station the size that it is, I could pick them up just as easily. And sometimes they were the go-to station to listen to. And, you know, growing up a Rush baby, somebody who, you know, when he first went on the air, my father was already listening to him. My mother listening to G. Gordon Liddy. And my father also followed up Rush Limbaugh with Ken Hamblin, the Black Avenger, who always started out with his, uh, you know, national anthem. I got to meet that guy. He was he's really cool. And, you know, it was always there was no Sean Hannity on the air at that time. It was Rush Limbaugh. Before that was Neil Bortz. And it followed up with Ken Hamblin. Well, one day I'm in Richmond thinking, okay, well, you know, Ken Hamblin is probably going to come on after Rush. Let me listen to him. And I hear this guy. And he starts talking about local politics. And I'm like, this guy is local? Because nothing to take away from the local guys. You know, we have a good libertarian guy down here in in the Hampton Roads area. You know, I've butted heads with him back, back when I worked with his company back at Sinclair Broadcasting years and years and years ago. I'd borrow his headphones because I worked at the alternative rock station you know we were playing all the all the crazy music and we were the ones who were getting on the air doing stupid stuff and he would get mad because he would come in the morning and i would take his headphones and he was always like why don't you bring your own headphones this little guy he's probably about like five two you know but he did the morning show locally on virginia politics and he was great but This guy who I was listening to in Richmond was at a different level. 
He was at a Limbaugh level. He was at a Glenn Beck level. And that was Doc Thompson. And WRVA, it's, you know, when you look at, say, if you're in the television industry and you look at markets, it's like there's the top 10 markets. And even, I think even Raleigh, North Carolina is up there in the, in the top 20, you know, and there's Richmond somewhere up there. Well, there's a similar metric for radio and WRVA was up there in the top. So if you're going to come in there and you're going to command attention at that level, you better be daggone good. You better be excellent. And so I'm listening to this guy and he's talking about things from such a libertarian point. This wasn't the conservatism that Limbaugh would pump out, you know, or it's like, well, we got to back the GOP. Oh, George W. Bush, he's great because he's a GOP. Not to take anything away from Limbaugh, because, of course, he helped me think of how to view the news in a different light. You know, there's reasons why I listen to the heavy hitters or the ones that I choose to spend my time listening to. In the beginning, I was introduced, obviously, by Limbaugh to, you know, by my father to Limbaugh. But over time, the reason why I continued listening to him was because he always found a way to dismantle the news and look at it from a perspective that is is analytical, scrutinizing it, picking out the things that are red flags to go, we might not be getting the real story with this one, you know? But listening to Doc Thompson, it was like a different perspective. It was so libertarian, but not crazy libertarian. This wasn't rip off your clothes and run across the stage at the convention libertarian. This was just meat and potatoes how does libertarian lifestyle fit in my day to day? How do I apply this, especially being somebody who is of Christian faith? How do I apply libertarianism to my day to day? And the way he talked about it was amazing. And what was even crazier was the fact that he was responsible in, 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 a, in a degree because of his bully pulpit that he had over that area in bringing in one of the most staunchly conservative, libertarian, Freedom Caucus principled guys, David Bratt, and helping push him over the finish line to defeat Eric Cantor, who was like, what was he, the GOP minority, majority leader? I mean, Eric Cantor had a prominent position not just as an elected official, but within his place outside of the party, but in Congress. But he was such a lobbyist douchebag that Doc Thompson found a way, because he couldn't stand this guy, I've heard the stories about it, that he ran this guy, Dave Bratt, he ran the, the information that was needed to bolster Dave Bratt ahead of Eric Cantor to the point where Eric Cantor was defeated. And I remember seeing that in the news going, oh my gosh, they beat Eric Cantor? Who is Dave Bratt? Well, that was Doc Thompson that helped make that happen. That was Tea Party that made that happen. Doc Thompson was a part of it. And so to see somebody, I, I, I remember the stories he talked about, you know, being in Virginia 
And if he worked at WRVA right now, oh my gosh, what would he have been saying about Ralph Northam? Now, he did talk about Ralph Northam on his Mojo 5.0 show, the Daily Mojo with uh, Brad Staggs and the crew and Ron Phillips. But if he was locally, he would have, he would have continued to mock him. I mean, Ralph Northam, blackface back in 84 in an EVMS yearbook. EVMS is like, it's like watching a general hospital. You know, EVMS is like this prestigious school. It's connected right to the actual hospital and the children's hospital, the King's Daughters. It's all connected and they all run into EVMS. So it's, this is not like some little fly-by-night school that Ralph Northam went to. Eastern Virginia Medical School is huge. And the fact that they allowed this blackface yearbook post to go on is beyond me. But the story about Tim Kaine when he was governor. God, Tim Kaine. I just heard stories about him as being mayor of Richmond, and he was awful. He destroyed Richmond. Of course, Doc Thompson could probably have told you those stories because he was in Richmond around that time. But when he left being the mayor and ran for governor, you know, the thing about Tim Kaine was that he ran up against this guy, Kilgore. And I always keep an open mind and I don't just look at party and go, okay, I'm voting for this guy. Although these days it's a little bit easier when they're advocating for infanticide. It's a little bit easier to vote against the GOP when, or vote for the GOP against the DNC strictly on party when they're advocating Antifa, when they're holding up violence, and when they're basically going against your free speech on social media platforms. Yeah, easy to go by party line. But back then, not so much. And I watched the debate coming out of Roanoke between Tim Kaine and uh, Kilgore, and Kaine was the more reasonable one of the bunch. It's amazing how progressive that guy is, but how centrist he can make his message sound, which is why he was elevated not only to the governorship, but also to the Senate. But as governor of Virginia, you know, for some reason, he couldn't get the budget passed. My good buddy, Bob McDonald, who I do know, who became the governor after Tim came, he looked around and said, wow, we do this on the budget. We do that on the budget. Suddenly we got a freaking surplus. It's amazing how when the GOP gets into power, the budget gets balanced, surpluses are found. But under Tim Kaine, couldn't find anything. Couldn't find money for government employees on the municipal level because, you know, the state funding that goes to the municipal level goes to the constitutional offices. And at the time, I was working as a constitutional uh, public servant, you know, with the commissioner's office. And one of the things we were looking at is the possibility of furloughing employees, letting the newest employees go because there just wasn't money in the budget. And so what Tim Kaine did to kind of bolster this and politicize it and put it on the local level is to close the rest stops throughout the state. And if you go through Virginia, we've got some beautiful, clean rest stations. Not to say you want to go hang out in a rest station. We're not trying to be like, uh, uh, what's his name? Mark, uh, whatever, who's uh, doing the little footsie dance under the stall. These are clean rest stations and going down 95 is a pretty, you know, that's that's a heavily traveled corridor. That's a big artery in this in this in the grand scheme of the nation for trucking and what have you. But yeah, 
Tim Kaine wanted to make an imposition on everyone passing through the state and politicize the budget shortfall that he was going to close close the rest stops. Well, apparently, Doc Thompson on WRVA had to interview Tim Kaine. And the jokester that Doc Thompson, he told this story a thousand times. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was brilliant. The story goes that (laughs) Tim Kaine was sitting in the studio and all of a sudden said, hey, uh, I got to go to the restroom. And when he gets to the restroom, somebody had taped the restroom door shut. I'm not talking about just, you know, a little bit of tape. Basically, caution taped the entire freaking door. And that was Doc Thompson. (laughs) That was him laying a smackdown on Governor Tim Kaine. But to me, that story's amazing. But that's the thing. Doc was that kind of person who he was always humble. And yet he was also a prankster. Now, I didn't really spend a lot of time with him, but I did speak to him here and there. And uh, we talked especially on the launch of of this new platform, Mojo Five O, and the fact that he brought me on. One of the things that I ran into, though, was when he left WRVA, I was always kind of going, man, I wonder what happened to that guy. I mean, he was great. And this is before you could stream every single radio channel. This is before shows were put to podcast where you didn't have to be there on time. You can listen to it whenever you wanted to. Different era, the old school era of radio. Back when I started in radio, you had to get a freaking license. And then if you were doing, say, like you were doing a fundraising event, you were there. Midnight, six in the morning, three in the morning. I remember being at an alternative rock station, the one that I used to steal the headphones from the political station down the down the hallway (laughs) um yeah overnights i'd see the sun coming up over the elizabeth river as i'm cranking out corn at like five in the morning so you know those days are now changed because of the fact that you can podcast and you can listen on your time and what have you but back then it was you're listening live or you missed it and there was some beginnings of podcasting in the early, you know, to mid 2000s. But, you know, Doc, he actually, when he left, he left a big gaping hole in the programming at WRVA. And it would be years before I would stumble across the Blaze Radio back in 2014. And at the time, you know, I'm trying, this is the height of the second term of Obama. And to the point where, Things were being ramped up so quick that you needed to stay on top of information because you didn't know what was going to change. You didn't know what progressive dogma was going to hit you dead square in the face. You didn't know any of this. So you started seeking out other programming and you started listening to other voices. And, you know, I started listening to a little bit more of talk radio than I used to in the past, especially now that the ability to listen whenever you wanted was more available. And so, of course, you know, uh, the Limbaugh's and, you know, the Sean Hannity's at the time and the Beck's, the Glenn Beck's, well, you start to find out, oh, wow, he has a streaming network that you can listen to. And so I checked it out. 
first thing I hear, it's Doc Thompson. At the time, it was him and Skip, Skip Lacombe, who was the amazing duo together. I mean, you couldn't build chemistry like that. I mean, it was unbelievable. But that's the thing was, I'd never heard the combination of funny morning show, you know, the humor that you would get from some of the morning shows that you would wake up to and listen to, but the meat and potatoes of, pol- of politics, stories that were going on, current events, things that were happening in the world, and then them being delivered through the filter of the libertarian worldview, the mindset that Doc Thompson had and Skip. It was awesome because, you know, typically when you listen to these morning shows, it was like, Oh, look at this story. It's 816 in the morning. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Z Morning Zoo. We got some gun fun hijinks coming up and traffic and weather together on the 8s. And you would hear funny stories, didn't have to think a lot about it, you know, jokes and what have you. And that was it. But it was empty. It was like it was like eating, you know, triscuits instead of a instead of a full course meal. And so when I found his show, I was like, oh, there's that guy I used to love listening to in Richmond, and he's on Glenn Beck station, and he's got a, a co-host, and they're actually doing funny stories that aren't always political, and I get to laugh about things, ease into my morning, and also listen to him deliver the fundamental principled worldview of libertarianism and Christian conservatism and how these things are being portrayed, sign me up. I'm all about it. And so I've been listening to him for years. And the fact that he cared about the people that listened to his show, the fact that he would go out and visit people when he was out and about, you would see the pictures online. You would hear the stories. Oh, yeah, Doc Thompson came to town. and Oh, he stopped by. He had dinner with us. Yeah, we went out for a beer. The fact that he would do full-on Building America shows. You know, that was one of the things I loved about it is you would get that funny, joking morning show feel, and then you would get those angry Doc moments where I always said he looked like a, I can just picture him in my mind, tall, linky Doc Thompson turning green, throwing cars, and getting mad about how veterans are getting screwed over because he was always about the veterans. That was one of the things he cared about the absolute most. And the fact that Doc would take time to focus on somebody who's just trying to build a business. He knew what what conservatism and what America stood for better than most. And what was amazing was how he would take that and he would fill in for Glenn. You know, during the holidays, a lot of times I ramp up my content because I know the holidays are where you're going to get noticed. You know, back when I worked in television, And even in radio in the beginning, the people that wanted to edge their way in, who wanted a show years down the road, who wanted to be noticed, they were working the holidays. You know, when you're watching TV on a Christmas day, somebody's got to do the news. Somebody's got to do the morning show. And it's always the people that are hungry for it. And when they would put Doc on, to cover the time when, you know, Beck was out instead of him making it all about himself and saying, Hey, look at me. Oh yeah. I've got a show too. He devoted the entire three hours 
to everyone else, to building America, to helping people with fledgling ma and pop businesses, to get airtime and airtime on one of the top three talk radio shows in the country. You can't beat that advertisement. And that's the thing about Doc. And, you know, when he's when when things were changing and he decided he was going to take a leap of faith, start something like Mojo 5.0, brand new platform. You know, I was nervous because that's a huge undertaking. And I'm fairly connected with a lot of the people who listen to his show on the other platform and who would be 100 percent behind this new platform, I made sure to be very frank and say to these guys, hey, look, this is going to take all of us to make this successful. We can't let up one bit. He's going to need the downloads. He's going to need the streams. He's going to need the, the word of mouth to other people to spread the gospel of Mojo, the gospel of Doc Thompson, And I kind of felt like we were on that road. And I think we need to continue that even after his passing. I think that's the only thing that we can do. I think that's the only thing we should do. Because that's what he would want us to do. Obviously, if you've been listening all week, Doc touched a lot of people. And we knew that this undertaking would be difficult. We didn't know that his passing would happen as quickly. We want to keep his family in prayer. He's got a new baby. You know, it's, it's, it's really difficult. And I, he's got a GoFundMe page. I urge everybody to go to it and contribute. I have. And share it with others. Go back and listen to some of the podcast. Remember the memories. Remember the laughs. And I think we should take it upon ourselves to look at our own loved ones and say, you know, we don't know when our time is here. You know, I I have a a sister-in-law who passed from cancer at a very young age. And we were there the whole way through. You don't know when it is your time. One thing she had the luxury of was being able to say goodbye to so many people. To say goodbye to loved ones. Even to make up with someone who she had an extreme falling out with. Somebody who was a very close friend. Some of us don't get that opportunity. I feel like Doc didn't get that opportunity. He was taken too soon, too abruptly. And so I think we need to take it upon ourselves to think of those affected. When someone dies, it's not just the immediate family that feels it. The ripple effects go on and on and on. And one of the things we have solace in is that he had a deep, Christian faith. He talked about it quite a bit. He's in a better place. He's in a place where Black Lives Matter means nothing 
He's in a place where the State of the Union means utter crap. He's in a place where Assad gassing his citizens or the terrorist gassing the citizens means crap, means nothing. He's in paradise with his father, with his loved ones. So I wanted to spend this first segment talking about that, remembering Doc, an amazing guy, an amazing host, a great friend, a great visionary, and to urge you all to continue to support Mojo Five O, let his legacy live on, and support us as we go ahead. Godspeed, Doc. Back in just a moment. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. Uh, tomorrow at about noon. 25 hours from right now, I'm going to go ahead and put up um, some information about my future and Skip's future, my producer as well. We've, uh, we're having some changes in our career starting first of the year, and we're finally going to put all the details up on our Facebook page tomorrow at about noon, so if you like the page today, you'll uh, see it when you log on to your Facebook. I, I love how you're spinning uh, uh, us getting fired to changes in our career. You know, I'm trying to be positive here, and you have to be the uh, the downer. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a realist, Doc. I'm a realist. When did that happen? When I came to work with you. Okay, <laughs> very good. All right, there it is. <laughs> so just uh, like us on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash Doc Thompson Show. Or if you want to like Skips, it's facebook.com slash Skip Radio. It's uh, up there. I've got a story that I want to share with you that, that has me very concerned about about safety in our schools. We know the, uh, the debates that have been going on recently about safety in our schools. And I think when you hear this story, it's going to give you pause, especially if you are a parent, to think about what is really happening in our schools. Here in Detroit, um, on one of our local television stations, a reporter by the name of uh, Andrea Isom filed a report and I'm going to play her report for you because she does a better job explaining what's going on at this school than, than I can. So from Fox 2 in Detroit, here is uh, Andrea Isom's report on something very concerning about a local school here that could also end up at your school. This is a bottle of liquid ass. And the Festerman family is fond of it, foul smelling and all. It's just fun. It really is. It smells like its name, basically. It smells like somebody hasn't took a bath for three months and their butt is really, really sweaty and they haven't wiped their tush in a long time. It's not spring fresh. Now the Festermans just love to let the fumes rip everywhere. We've gone to Kmart. You know, we've had our kids with it and we're spraying. Liquid ass is a prank. We've done it at, like, Dollar General. You know, it. everyone laughed. Well, nobody is laughing at Marine City Middle School. Here's what happened. I got in the cafeteria and I used it in class. You know you were in trouble, right? He brought in something called liquid ass and he sprayed it and that's not acceptable. Plus, it was his parents' property, so Jason was punished at home and at school, too. He got suspended for the day. Mom, Dad, 
I'm sorry for taking the liquid out of your womb. Your guys' permission. It's not that I'm angry that he was suspended. As a jokester, you know, rules are rules. He disrupted the class. But the Festermen say it's what happens next that really stinks. To charge me with disorderly conduct? That's way above and beyond. Well, indeed, charges have been requested because dad is accused of going up to the school, getting the discarded liquid ass out of the garbage and spraying the bottled B.O. again. But this man says it was a misunderstanding, no malice at all. So you didn't spray it trying to send a message? No, no, I wasn't spraying it to spray it. I was spraying, I was checking Unfortunately, I had to pump it to see if anything was in it, and it was. It was just a harmless prank. Now, I'm looking at 90 days in jail. So there it is. Now, Skip, help me out to make sure I understand this. The, the parents that you hear at the beginning have something called liquid ass. Is that right? Liquid ass, yes. Um, liquid ass. So they, they have this bottle, and they think it's fun to take their the kid around. Yeah. And uh, even the, with the, you know, the parents will go into stores and that and, and spray. Liquid ass. And so they, they spray it out there. They do go in there and spray the, the, the liquid liquid ass. So the, the kid then steals the bottle of liquid ass and takes it to school. Yes. This could be in any school. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these, these, these bottles of, of liquid ass are easily concealed. I thought schools were liquid ass free zones. I thought so too, but I mean, it just goes to prove that these these liquid ass free zones don't actually stop people who bring liquid ass in illegally. So even though the schools are liquid ass free zones, liquid ass, it's not stopping the kids from bringing the liquid ass to school. You're correct, and it certainly didn't stop the parent then from going up digging the liquid ass, liquid ass, out of the 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 garbage. Correct, and then spraying it around uh, around the school there, liquid ass. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, I just I, I don't see exactly how you can how you can prevent that. I mean, if somebody is going to nefariously bring liquid ass into a school, they're going to. Something has to be done. I, I just worry as a parent. <sighs> my son being exposed liquid ass. to liquid ass at school. Well, one thing that's been kind of talked about that I actually think we should do is we need to we need to arm the teachers with liquid ass. Arm the teachers with liquid, liquid ass. ass. How would that work? I, I, I just think that I mean, if, if somebody is coming at you with with a bottle of, of liquid ass, liquid ass, you, you're going to be less likely to really go through with it if you know the person on the other side is going to be armed with. You with bring liquid up ass. a great point. If the teachers are armed with liquid ass, mm-hmm. and some other kid or, or teacher, parent, or anybody else brings the liquid ass into the school, they're going to think twice before they start spraying them with liquid ass. I know I would. Oh, absolutely. I think any reasonable person would. Skip, if I come up to you at work mm-hmm. and I have liquid ass, liquid ass. And and I approach you. Uh-huh. I, I get ready to spray you, and you bust out a bottle of liquid ass. Liquid ass. I'm gonna have to think twice. I, I would think so. You're likely gonna retreat in your in your liquid ass attack. You know who I'm more likely to spray with with liquid ass? What's that? Somebody who doesn't have liquid ass. That's a good point. Okay, so that's a that's a pretty solid idea, Skip. If if you arm the teachers with liquid ass. Liquid ass. But. What about some sort, and I'm just throwing this out there hypothetically, and you tell me what you think. What if we had some sort of, I don't know, liquid ass background check? So you, you stop and you, you make sure that anyone who buys liquid ass, liquid ass is actually responsible enough to use liquid ass properly. Could you could you do something like that? I, I think that's a great idea, you know? I mean, that'll keep, uh, uh, I mean, training with liquid ass is really going to be key. 
I would think that a lot of times some sort of prank like this at school is pulled without a lot of forethought. Okay, yeah. That it's a, kind of a, a crime of passion, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You grab the liquid ass. Liquid ass. You spray it in school. Yeah. You're not thinking about it. Maybe you're not in your right frame of mind, whether it's a teacher, a parent, or anybody else that would spray this at school. Liquid ass. So what if you give them the background check before they can buy it, and then you, you set up some sort of waiting period so they really know what they're getting into when they buy the liquid ass? That makes sense. I mean, that would really reduce a lot of this uh, this uh, passion, crimes of passion with the liquid ass. I mean, so somebody would say, okay, uh, here's my background check, and uh, I'm now on what? What would you do? A five-day, seven-day, something like that? Uh, that? That's negotiable. Okay, so over that period, though, you have a lot of time. Can't wait to get the liquid ass. Liquid ass. Can't wait to get it. We'll see. And then... You know what? Wait a minute. Do I really want to do this? So, some sort of background check in a in a waiting list. No, I think that's I think that's really good. I mean, we can't just outright outlaw liquid ass. Why can't you just ban liquid ass? Put well, a liquid ass well, ban in. If it's that dangerous, just ban liquid ass. Well, if you get rid of liquid ass, the only people that will have it are criminals. Only the criminals will have liquid ass, and you don't want that. You're saying if you ban liquid ass, only the criminals will have liquid people ass. People will find a way to get their liquid ass. That's a good point. I'm I'm really concerned about the liquid ass show loophole. Liquid ass. The liquid ass show loophole. That's a that's a great point. What happens is if you have this background check in place, if you don't make sure private seller to private seller gives background checks as well, you know what happens, right? I go by the liquid ass. Liquid ass. As somebody that gets the the background check and the waiting period, but then I can just go sell it to you. Yeah, that's exactly. the reason I think you need to crack down on this stuff, Skip. Maybe, maybe we could look into. I mean, okay, so we can't just outright ban the liquid ass. Well, you make a good point. Um, what about we have nozzle control? Liquid ass. What do you mean? No, what does that mean? Well, I mean, if it makes it more difficult for the nozzles to get, I mean, it's if just the bottle of liquid ass is is pointless if you don't have a delivery method. And you're saying if you change the the method of delivery, liquid ass for the liquid ass, then likely people wouldn't be able to uh if it was more difficult hmm. to get the nozzles themselves that would be more difficult what to about wait, wait 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 hang on a second what if we just change the nozzles so they would be kind of a low capacity liquid ass liquid ass Th- know, there's a, a good point there I or mean, a low volume where, where they it wasn't you weren't able to to dispense a lot of liquid ass at once liquid ass that you would um only be able to you know a little bit right for instance like a, one ounce per spray or something like that i mean that seems like a lot but Here's a good point. Skip, I think you're right. I'm thinking about it. No, you can't ban it. I'm just trying to come up with common sense solutions about liquid ass. Liquid ass. Anybody that's, uh, you know, that's saying, Doc, you should have liquid ass in the right. Listen, I'm just looking for for common sense solution on how to deal with Liquid liquid ass in our public schools. Even if you got rid of all liquid ass, which which we know is going to be, you can't do it. Virtually impossible. But let's say I was magical, liquid ass, and could could just magically get rid of all liquid ass. Uh huh. Aren't there still plenty of ways to make people stinky? Oh, aren't there absolutely. plenty of ways to stink up a school? Liquid ass. I mean, even if you got rid of it, aren't there plenty of things? I knew a kid in school named Kenny, one of my buddies. He brought skunk scent to school. Yeah. Oh, man. Right. You, so you see what I'm saying? Now you have to go to skunk scent. You have to go with anything that's stinky. You could take it even to Limburger cheese. Liquid ass. Well, you, right? I mean, a lot of people are sensitive to even perfumes and stuff. 
I mean, you, you, you drop a bottle of perfume in there. That's a, I'm just looking for some sort of common sense solution. Okay. Oh, what if, I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, the programs. What if we had some sort of a, a liquid-ass buyback program? Whereas, whereas you could turn in your bottle of liquid-ass for, like, I don't know, a gift card to a local grocery store. So then what, what would happen with all the bottles of liquid-ass? Liquid-ass. I mean, they would be taken by police and then disposed of safely in a, in a proper, I mean, good manner. Hmm. So it's a buyback program. You just you, what do you advertise that if if you have your liquid ass, you want to get it off the street. Yeah, the just police put it on the by. news. You know, come on, swing by this location hmm. from ten to two and turn in your your liquid ass, and uh, we'll get you a, a gift card. That's a that that may work, Skip. Well, I'm going to continue to to look for common sense solution on how to deal with liquid ass liquid ass in our schools. Uh, this is the attitude I think we don't need, though. Sean just checked in on. Uh, on my uh, uh, Doc Thompson show at gmail.com, my email. Sean just checked in and said, and keep in mind, folks, this is not what we need. This is the wrong attitude. Sean said they can have my liquid ass when they pry it from my stinky, stinky fingers. Okay, now see, taking it to that extreme, no, exactly. I mean, it's just it's not going to help anybody out. No, how does that help anybody? Him clinging to his his liquid ass. Liquid ass. See, and, and, and that gives the left the firepower they need to go after this. All right. Well, I'll continue to look for common sense solution. And I hope, Sean, you've... Uh, you know, I don't even know what to do with Sean. I, I don't even know what to do with him. It's attitudes like that that are making schools more dangerous. Liquid ass. All right, I'm going to get a quick break in, then we'll get some of your calls. Uh, I used to listen to Doc when I was back in Richmond, um, you know, visiting my parents um, before Jeff arrived. Uh, Doc was one of the guys you listen to here on WRVA. So I'm so sorry to hear this news, and I felt like we needed to share it uh, with you this morning. Now, Trey, you, you are the keeper of the archives, and you found... Um, some recollections of Doc's time on our air? Yeah, more than the political stuff, I remember Doc for being very, very, very funny. And, oh, uh, I agree, yeah. And Great sense of humor. I have a clip of him, Michael Clifford, who some people know from uh, uh, 102. He hosts a show on there, but he's also behind the scenes. He's been our assistant uh, program director, and he's currently our IT guy. He was on vacation for a week. And Doc decided to harass him repeatedly every day, and he put those phone calls on the air. Oh, boy. Hello? Hey, buddy! How you doing? Are you, are you, are you getting a chance to relax? How's, how's the fam? How, how you doing? Who is this? It's Doc. How you doing? You, you relaxing? I was. What's going on? What are you... I'm just, I just wanted to make sure you're having a good time. I, I wanted to tell you, don't think about work when you're on vacation. Everything's fine here. Uh, don't even think about us. It's going fine. You just relax. You deserve it. So don't even think about this place, okay? Are you on the beach? Are you on the beach? What do you... Yes, I'm on the beach. What do you? Oh, that sounds great. I'm here in the studio, but don't don't worry about the place. It's fine. We got we got a new computer upgrade, but everything's going to be fine. Don't worry oh, about it. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't worrying about it. No, Dude, don't don't even think I, about it because the new timesheet program everything's I stop. fine. Stop! I don't even want to think about it. Why are you doing that? I, I'm just concerned. I wanted to make sure you're having a good time. Are you, you enjoying oh, yourself? Yeah. yeah. In fact, I'm just going to go. Everything bye. good? Bye. Yeah. Bye. So everything, you all right? 
it feels weird to be uh, laughing, but that's the, that is the kind of uh, uh, sense of humor that Doc had. Do we have, oh, we have Skip on the line right now. My producer, Skip, has decided he's not only going to try the, the K2, he's going to try the bath salts. These are the worst of the worst, the ones that people do over and over again and end up chewing people's face off and stuff. And I just want you to understand what the feeling is so he can report to us play by play you know what he's feeling as he tries them and then also you know maybe tomorrow talk about what he went through so we can understand why someone would want to try him again we we sent him home because the company refuses to allow him to do it on on company property here and he's at home trying them and i guess he'll do it now skip do you have the bath salts yes i do i have them in hand and where did you get them I, uh, I stopped at a local convenience store last night on the way home, so uh, yes, I do have them now. And where are you right now? Uh, currently at home, and I'm at my place uh, uh, in the bathroom. I want to make sure I'm nice and safe off of company uh, property. Are, are, you, are you nervous to try these? This is not something I could do. I absolutely could not try them. You know, Doc, i got to be honest. I'm actually really, really kind of nervous right now. I have lots of, of stories going on in the news of bath salts and people going crazy doing the bath salts, uh, trying to plan this out and be as safe as I can. But, yeah, I, I can't lie. I am pretty nervous. I mean, you got, you got people eating each other's face off. I, I would be tremendously nervous. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty heavy stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, just, it's, it's all for the show. So How, how did you... How did you prepare? I mean, we had, we had people call in yesterday and say, um, you know, you, you got to be careful. You don't want to hurt yourself. You should be restrained and stuff. So, uh, so how have you prepared for this? Well, as of right now, I've, I've locked myself in the bathroom. I've heard that some people kind of freak out and attack people or chewy people's faces off. So I want to be as secure as I can. So I'm in the bathroom. I've removed all sharp objects. I don't have any scissors, no razors, nothing. But I'm barricaded by myself in my bathroom at my house. Okay, I, I guess you're as safe as you can be. Are, uh, are you ready? Just about. I want to uh, get undressed first. I, I read that a lot of people have reactions of being really hot while you're doing this. And, uh, so I don't want to freak out, but I figure... You're going to get I'm undressed? Naked. What's that? You're going to get undressed then? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get undressed that way. I'm already naked, maybe it'll keep me from getting hot when I use them. Less likely to freak out, but... um. Okay, now I am ready. I, I am now ready. Yeah, because, I mean, we talked about that about, you know, some things, if you had a bad trip or whatever, we don't know if it's like that with bath salts, then, you know, maybe this will stop you from, I don't know, from having a bad time. All right. Um, before we uh, d- describe the packaging on the bath salts, what, is the, what does the package of bath salts look like? What is, um, what it's is, in this little silver packaging. It's called Blue Ivory. I, I don't know what that specifically means, but okay. uh, it's a small little... Uh, uh, it's silver packaging. It's got a picture of some person looking to be all relaxing on it, but um, fairly nondescript, though, just a okay. little uh, silver packaging. Go ahead and open the package and describe what the, the, the contents of the package, what, what do these bath salts look like? I mean, does it look like salt? I mean, I'm serious, it sounds silly, but I mean, I'm assuming it's a powder, right? Okay, I'm opening it now, and uh, okay, package is open. It's a, it's a, it's a real fine white powder. All right, the, the way I understand it, the effects are, are supposed to be felt you know, pretty quickly. So I want you to describe every sensation, every feeling, you know, everything you're going through as, as you use the bath salts. Okay, so uh, here we go. I'm going to set my phone down for, for a second. Set your phone down for a second, okay. Uh, 
Um, Skip, are you there? Skip? Yeah, 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 I'm here. Yeah, you know, I was uh, talking to my mom last night, too, and she uh, had some real reservations with me doing this. She didn't want me to do these at all, but, you know, it's all for the show. My producer, Skip Lacombe, has decided to sample bath salts to help all of us kind of understand the effects because it's one thing for us to say, you know, this is what you go through, and bath salts or something else. But it's another thing to hear it firsthand from somebody who you kind of know their personality and can see the effects. So he has um, decided to use them. He's using them now. He's been under the influence of bath salts for a little over a minute now. You know, I'm mainly feeling it in the, my hands and, the, and my feet, and it's starting to get a little stronger. It's kind of like a warmth all over. I mean, i gotta, I got to be honest. It's, it's pretty nice. It feels really good. Yeah, I like this. It's, uh, it's warm. This is nice. So, so you actually like it. Describe why it feels good. I mean, is, is it a feeling of euphoria? Yeah, well, it's more of a... Oh, yeah, it's... Um, it makes me so warm and, and, and soft. It's like little tiny bubbles of, of tingling and uh, kind of hard to describe it. It's just real relaxing, and I just, I can't figure out why anybody would want to ban this stuff. It's, it's really kind of nice, actually. I, I can see myself wanting to do this more. So what are you feeling right now? I mean, is, is it getting stronger than it was before? I mean, you said it's relaxing, but is it, is it actually getting stronger? Um, no, I would say it's, it's really about the same. What one word best describes how you feel on bath salts right now? Um, I would have to say silky. Silky? What is that I'm hearing in the background? Wait. What are you, what are you doing? Oh, I, I, I was just adding a little bit more water. Adding a little, adding more water to what? To the tub. Just a little more water in the tub. Why do you need water in the tub? Well, I mean, the bath salts are in the water, and the water is in the tub. I have, I have to be in the water to use them. You put the bath salts in the water and you're taking a bath? Yeah. I think you have misunderstood. I have made a terrible mistake. People are snorting this stuff. Ah, uh, I just, I don't see why people would do that. I mean, uh, there's just no need. I'm, I'm quite relaxed right now. I mean, it's perfect in your bath water. Uh, I've got the lights dimmed, a nice glass of Pinot Gris. I'm reading Fifty Shades of Grey, and trust me, these work just fine in your bath. I, I feel really relaxed. By the way, where's my rubber ducky? There it is. Rubber ducky, you're the one. This segment is going very different than I had imagined. Very, very different. Doug Thompson. Spears the Musical. Spears. They're working on it. They're looking to raise some capital now to produce Spears the Musical. What do you think that's a musical about? Skip, go. 
Um, uh, Careful. Broccoli? Broccoli? No, not broccoli. Spears. Go, skip. Other possibilities. Spears to go. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe some sort of uh, ancient hunting devices? Britney Spears the musical. I like it. Do you? I do. It's, uh, of course, the music of Britney Spears, but it tells the story of Christ. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Yeah, um, yeah. The music, um, oh, let me just say it this way. The, 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 the story of Jesus Christ through the music of Britney Spears. Yes, and real quick, let me pause here. When we say the music of Britney Spears, we do use the little air quotes when we say the music. You know. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. No, no, it tells the story of Christ through her music. And according to the musical's website, the show will chronicle the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus using Britney's hits like Stronger. Okay. One More Time. Lucky what, what, and crazy. Hit me, baby, one more time? Did Jesus say that when he was being flogged? I can only imagine that's... Folks, I'm not joking. I don't think that's the case. I'm not making light of this. I'm telling you, that's this is horrible. what they're playing. Yes, it's horrible. I'm, uh... See, it makes sense if you go that whole Mary Magdalene route. Okay. Okay. Sodom and Gomorrah. Judas, oops, I did it again. I'll give you that. Then her music, you know, may kind of fit more. Now, this is being developed by Patrick Blute. Not Not Blute. Not to be confused with Blute. Blute, Right. Patrick Blute. He's a 23-year-old Columbia University graduate. And a Nalrapist. He debuted the show April 2012 at the college and sold out. So now he wants to... He wants to bring it to you and need some capital. And when he says of the musical... People being critical, he said, uh-huh. these are Britney's lyrics. These are Jesus Christ's images. The Britney Spears you see is not Britney Spears. Remember that. He is said that the whole secret, Britney? People don't know her. He, he know said the Jesus Christ you read about is not Jesus Christ. These are manifestations. See, they're manifestations. He said accounts through the media. Through the words of followers, of friends, of foes, of villains, of heroes, of liars, of biases. Not to biases, biases. Uh, he said, it's a falsehood that people believe fame and fortune create happiness. That all deaths receive a resurrection. I hope this project will show you otherwise through the power of listening and the power of forgiveness. And the power of Britney Spears. I don't think I can forgive him for this. I re- Really don't. Well, here, I, I got to tell you one thing. I will give to him, and one yeah. thing I'll give to his project. I sure am curious. He said uh, it's not sacrilegious, and instead is the perfect outing for churchgoers who may also love Britney. He said it appeals to those from a religious background because it tells an essential story using fragments of pop culture in a non-offensive way. It, it Hit me, baby, one more time in a in a, a a show about Christ and the resurrection. He's calling it a Britney Spears and Jesus Christ mashup. Oh, oh Lord! I'm... Now let me. Can I back up and tell you? He's twenty three, and he obviously loves Britney Spears. This is a male who's twenty three, mm-hmm. who graduated from Columbia University, who loves Britney Spears, mm-hmm. and is using it to tell the music of Christ. Skip. If there was one character trait, if there was one overall image, if you said, if I said, who do you think Patrick Blute is? Tell me what you think Patrick Blute. Tell me about him. What would you say? 
Well, he's gay. Yeah. Okay. So we're in is agreement there, here. Is there any? Okay. He's a homo type. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but, but I'm going to go ahead and say yeah. He's gay. It's likely he's, he's a homo type sex. Well, that's my spectrum. Six Semper Tyrannus. This morning, the air is cleaner. Food tastes better. I'm three pounds lighter and an inch taller. I'm a better dancer this morning, I want you to know. Everything just seems a little brighter. The sun is going to come up with a little more force and shine a little brighter this morning. Doc, I saw you on your just wedding day. Uh, you, yeah. were, you were not nearly as happy or jovial or glowing as you are this morning. I'm sorry. I was lost in thought. Could you repeat that, Skip? I'm I just... said, I saw you on your wedding day, hung out with you on your wedding day. Yeah, and yet just... today, I, I have never seen you as glowing and happy and vibrant and jovial, and I don't have enough additive to describe. It's, uh, it's truly a miraculous day. Truly a marvelous day. Hey, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but uh, uh, Eric Cantor lost last night. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> did you Did you hear that? Did you guys? I did. There were thought I caught something a about that. A couple of people on Twitter oh. were mentioning that last <laughs> night that, that Eric Cantor lost his election last night. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So I heard that right then. Eric Cantor did lose last night. Yes. Okay, good, good. I just wanted to make sure I... I mean, I mean I'm still worried here. that, like, I mean, we might be, like, trapped in some sort of, like, a, a hazy dream state and we're, we're both going to be, like, aroused from our sleep quickly and... Yes, providing they don't find a trunk full of ballots somewhere in Culpeper, Virginia, Eric Cantor has lost the primary. I mean, that's always a possibility. You know, Ray Allen and the other dirtbags that he's surrounded himself with may, oh, we found two trunk loads, two, uh, two cars full of ballots somehow in Orange, Virginia, just down the road from James Madison's Mount Pelier. Yeah, they were pulled over to the side of the road. The only nice thing about that is even if they did find two cars worth, it still may not be enough to give <laughs> Eric the win. He was trounced last night. Eric Cantor didn't just lose his election last night. He got his ass kicked. Yes, this is an old-fashioned Virginia ass-whooping. That's what this is. This is this was stomped. This is not a, hey, we may get a recount. There's going to have to be a runoff. None of that. Yeah, this was, he was hammered. He lost. Eric Cantor lost. By over 11 points. He is the House Majority Leader for a couple of more months. He lost by 11 points.